This podcast replay is brought to you by RedRecover.com. From NFL stars like Hayden Hurst to daily warriors like yourself, their wraps and pads are designed to deliver maximum benefits with each treatment anywhere you go. Hey, all right, all right, there he is, the man, the myth, the legend, the champion, Matt Verderam. Yeah, baby. Congrats to your Chiefs, brother. Yeah, was a, that was a wild game. So... Um, they ultimately won because they scored 38 points. Uh, they, they didn't look so half, good in the first half. 24, 24 to 11. Yeah, but see, that's where, like, some guy was telling me, well, no, they put up 30-something points, you know, um, the, the, the Eagles. And I go, yeah, but it was 11 in the second half. So, you know, that's where you make your money, dude. You know what I'm saying? And so the Chiefs defense picked up in the second half. The Chiefs offense picked up in the second half. But the Eagles, they did not pick up their offense from the first half into the second half. And their defense didn't make or their entire team didn't make plays because it wasn't only the Eagles offense. It was obviously the Eagles defense, the special teams. Tony's return was, you know, so the entire team picked it up and found ways to win. And so to me, that's really what it's all about. It's kind of like the, you know, like I, I pick on the Justin Herbert people and I say, oh, they put up 30 something. No, no, dude. He put three points up in the second half. Okay. You get, you know, I get it. Front running is nice, but you got to finish the game. And that's what the chiefs did. They adjusted and they found ways to win the game. And to me, that's why you're champions. Well, because you found ways to win the game. Yeah, Period. I think I think ultimately what happened in that game as it wore on was I mean, first of all, the Chiefs only had eight possessions in the game. Um, I know. I mean, they never they never really get the football. So it, you know, they, they scored thirty eight points on eight possessions, which in a normal game you get about twelve. Um, the Eagles in the second half, if you take away Hertz's last second throw, they only had three possessions. I mean, they they, they never saw the football. The Chiefs were able to control it, um, and. You know, you know how you know how depressing it is to have a seventeen play drive, eat up eight minutes, yeah, and settle for three points. Three points. I I thought for me, that was the biggest turning point in the game. Was they had that ball, and they could not get it in the end zone. And when the Chief, once the Chiefs got the ball back, and it was less than a touchdown, I felt like the Chiefs were going to win the game. I just thought, those not going to stop them. Like they're just not going to stop them at any point in time. And you know, you mentioned it. I mean, there's a there's a special teams gap where Tony gets around the edge and there's nobody home. And um, you know, look, I thought I thought the biggest mismatch going into the game was Andy Reid and Jonathan Gannon. And I thought it was the biggest mismatch throughout the game. I mean, how if you're Gannon, how do you on two consecutive drives allow the Chiefs to have a walk-in touchdown because they run a little jet sweep motion and then they peel back and there's no adjustment made? I mean, the guy right. walks into the end zone. I get it happening once. Okay, fine, they got you. Happened the next drive. And the next drive, they ran the same play on the other side of the field and more walks in. Um, and I by the way, they, all, they the also ran that, that, that route with the, with the receivers where they would cut inside and then pop outside, and the corners could not stay with them. They, they either scored touchdowns or they drew the penalty at the end, which we'll get to that. But, you know, it's just they, they, they just, you know, read, dude. He's just when it comes to play design, that's what I complained about for two years with Tua, that the play calling and the play design was just freaking remedial, dude. And then my, McDaniel comes in and now and, I, and I'm like, OK, this is play design. 
this is what you're supposed to do in today's, you know, I mean, Miami's offense the first two years was so remedial that Hank Scram in the 60s is laughing at your ass. Okay, because they were more dynamic in the 60s than the Dolphins were in the 2021-22 season or 2020 and 2021 season. Yeah. You know, that, and when you give Reed that much time, he just found ways to break them down. Yeah, I thought, you know, my whole thing going into the week was I, I picked the Chiefs 31-23, and the reasoning was I thought that Reed would just put it on Gannon in the game. And I also thought, now, the one thing going into that game, I did not agree with people. And I had a lot of people ask me this on radio throughout the week. Like, hey, what do you think about, you know, is this going to be a repeat of that Tampa Super Bowl, you know, because the Chiefs offensive line? I'm like, Chiefs have a really good offensive line. Like, this is not a couple yeah. of years ago where the Chiefs had four backups and a, and a starter playing out of position. Like, that, that was the one weird thing. Look, I get the Eagles have a great front and all that. I, I got it. But the Chiefs are really good up front. I mean, they have, they have three pro bowlers and two all pros. And one of those guys is not named Trey Smith, who should have been a pro bowler. So they have. By the way, the, the amazing part was how they nailed and turned that line around in one season. Yeah. In one offseason. Yep. They brought in four of the five guys. Offensive yep. line around. That was pretty sick, dude. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kudos to Brett Veach on that. And they, you know, but they they dominated the game. I mean, that was, to me, that was the difference in the game was the Eagles just couldn't touch Mahomes. They couldn't get to him. Yeah. Zero. Zero sacks. And they... And it wasn't even a game where they had zero sacks, but they really pressured him a lot. I mean, they, they really, I mean, they hit him five times the whole game, I think. And a yeah. couple of those times were him kind of like half running. And they just, you know, they kind of brought him down. It was, it was a clinic. Oh, and, by the way, dude, where did he get that speed when he runs up the middle of the field? Like, dude, don't you have a high ankle sprint? You're pulling away from people. Like, it, adrenaline just it, it carried his ass, dude. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was. It was funny because after the game, you know, I was down in the in the pressers with him and the rest of the team. And, you know, I think somebody asked him about it. And he's like, well, as long as I just run really straight, it doesn't hurt. But if I have to – and if you watch that play, he doesn't go one way. He just goes straight down the field and falls over. So it, it just worked out that the seas kind of parted. And he said, okay, I could take off. But I think for me – and I, I don't know how other people feel about it. For me, that was the play of the game. Like that will be the play I remember. The iconic play of that Super Bowl, that guy yes. with one ankle. Because, frankly, look, at 21-14, when they're about to punt the ball away and he's crawling off the field, they're like, this is not good. This is this is probably the end. And then they came out in the third quarter and they scored right away. And they're like, all right, now, now it's game on. I mean, at this point, I thought for Philly, in a weird way, that had to be the most deflating part of the game. It's 24-14, to 14, and you've got an opportunity. If you get off the field there and you get the ball back, you got a real shot to put them down for the count. And the other play that will get completely forgotten about, 14-7, Eagles have the ball. They're essentially midfield, give or take a few yards. It's third and a yard, and they're just going to do that little rugby play. They're going to push Hurts over for a first down. And Sayamalu is called for a false start, and it becomes oh, yeah. third and six. And they run a quarterback draw, and Hurts fumbles the ball, and the Chiefs run it back for a touchdown. I mean, that if he doesn't get called for a false start, it could have very easily been 17-7, 21-7. All of a sudden, that game starts getting sideways. Instead – he is called correctly for the start, for the false start, and then Hertz goes to switch arms. He fumbles the ball, and Nick Bolton, who is the best defensive player on the field for either team in that game, picks up the ball, runs you know whatever it was, 35, 40 yards, and and ties it up. Got to find ways to make plays. And let me describe that final play down there that we're everybody's talking about. Uh, what'd you think of the two holds on one play? Because I, this is the part that effing pisses me off with people. Well, he held. No, dude, he held twice. 
He did on the play. He did. Held, right. He held, held twice. Not once. Not not one. Not two. Uh, he <laughs> held twice on that play. Not once. And so you, this is what I I put it to. So you get on the turnpike or whatever the highway is in in Chicago. Oh, and and uh, it's sixty five. It's sixty five. But everybody's doing seventy two, seventy three, and they don't stop you. Okay, but you're doing 72, 73, and you did a little bit too much of a tight changing of lanes. And there's a cop on the side with his radar, but he feels like stopping you. Uh, hey, but everybody else is. Do- no, but dude, you are speeding, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Okay, so then I can stop you because you're speeding. You're doing 73 in a 65. And yep. Yeah, other people did, but I saw you also weaving a little bit there. And so you- there's the referee. He sees not one, but two holds. So now you put him in a position. Oh, no, but it happens all the time. Yeah, but it did happen, right? So you put yourself in a position where he has to make a decision. And that decision could go against you. And by the way, if he saw what I saw, he saw two holds. And it's like, yo, bro, maybe I'll let you get away with one. But two, I'm not going to get you let away. No, no, this game's too important for you to get away with two holds. That's well, how I look at this whole thing. My feeling on it is, if it's a hold in the first quarter, it's a hold in the fourth quarter. Like, and, and the and the reality is, you know, look, he did hold him twice, and Bradbury after the game was like, "Yeah, I held him." Like, much I you respect, know, much respect, tons, I love it, tons. You know what? A lot of guys would have just passed the buck and blamed the official, and James Bradbury stood up like a man and said, "You know what? It's it's a good call. I held him." And look, he did hold him now. I get the people who are like, well, it's anticlimactic. You know what? But here's the other argument of this. The, I've heard of so many people say, well, you know, they're deciding the game. Well, are they kind of deciding the game if they don't call it? Right. I mean, like, he held – I'll also say this. There was also a drive earlier in the game where Juju got tackled on a third and eight coming across the middle. I mean, just flat-out tackled, and they didn't draw a flag. Who knows? Maybe the Chiefs score on that drive. Maybe that. Maybe the, the end of the game is moot. They're kneeling down, right? So – what, what about the New Orleans game from years ago? Oh, that, that's the worst one. I mean, that one's ridiculous, right? And I you mean, didn't call it. Look, and I you will tell you this. And, and, they, and they didn't – am I right? They didn't call they didn't that call one, it. right? And that was that was comical how bad that was. Look, I will say this. It's because everybody in here knows like, I grew up a Chiefs fan. Look, I remember the first Mahomes AFC title game when they looked like they were going to the Super Bowl. They picked off Brady, and then the flag comes in, and D. Ford is lined up in the neutral zone. And there were a oh, lot yeah. of Chiefs fans. Who are like, right. how could you call that? He didn't even affect the play. It's like, look, man, he's in the neutral zone. And I and I got killed by Chiefs fans at the time. It's like he it's a penalty. Like he did it. He is in the neutral zone. Like it, it is what it is, man. Like they threw Great the flag. Great example, dude. Great and, example, by the way. You know, so to me, like, yeah, they would have gone to the Super Bowl. I mean, if he if he's not called for that, they're kneeling down going to the Super Bowl. And they probably beat Jared Goff in the Rams. And by the you way, know? and that also happens all the time. The guy that's like and they don't call the it. edge rusher. That they, he puts the helmet just over the yep. line and all that. And they let it go all the time. It's but like it's if you're there, like, you're committing right. the penalty. If you put yourself in a position that you're committing a penalty, don't yep. complain if they call it on he, you then was in the neutral zone and a lot of Chiefs fans at the time were furious about the call. I'm like, look, man, he's in the neutral zone. Like, then don't line up in the neutral zone. And, you know, right. and it's kind of like Lane Johnson is famous for always getting off real quick off the line of scrimmage. And a lot of people think it's a false start. They don't call it. Now, if they call it on him once, 
Well, you know, let's be honest. I mean, he, I think it is probably a false start a lot of the time, but they let him have a little bit. It's just like, you know what the best example of this is? When they, you know, there's delay of games, the clock hits zero, but they give him that extra half second a lot of the times. They give him that extra right. beat. But if they don't on a given play and they shut it down, it's a delay of game. Like, you, you, so, so in the end, I, lo- I love your D Ford. Exp- that one is a perfect I mean, comparison I because it. It was I, I remember, like, no, and I remember the Chiefs fans complaining. And then the argument was, well, it had nothing to do with the deciding part of that play or matter. whatever. It doesn't matter. Doesn't the guy matter. was well off sides. Yep. He was trying to get an advantage, just like Bradbury's trying to get an advantage because the receivers have been killing you with the cutting inside and the turning to the outside. And he knew that if he didn't hold twice, yep. the separation was there and he was going to get burned. And so he tried to not get burned by holding twice. You put yourself up out there and that's it. The call's done, dude. Yes. And I will say, too, the last thing on this is, you know what? Look, the one argument I won't hear about this is like, well, it was uncatchable. He was two steps from the ball. I mean, in the NFL, you make up two, three steps in a tenth of a second. I mean, it's all, I mean, it, look, the bottom line is a lot of respect is used to Bradbury for being honest. But yeah, hell, I mean, it is what it is. You know what? And if I'm the Eagles, I'd walk away from that game saying, we gave up 24 points on four drives in the second half. And if, you, and if McKinnon doesn't right. just fall over, it's 28. So I don't want to hear it. Like, the, 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 the bottom line is get off the field. Stop them. Do something. Don't, don't give up a 65-yard punt return. Don't give up a scoop and score for a touchdown. And to be fair, how about sacking Mahomes? How about yeah. getting Get some sacks, bro? I the, the the reality, and you know, to be fair, you have not heard one word about it from the Eagles or the coaching staff. Here from the fans, the right. Eagles, and it's funny, it's it's really comparison or a good comparison to the Niners, who have done nothing but complain and whine and cry since they lost to the Eagles, got boat raced by him. And you got Debo Samuel out there talking, and Brandon Ayuk talks like guys, you lost 31 to Seth. I mean, let's go home. So right. I give the Eagles well, a lot we, of credit. We, had, we for, had that down here with the uh, Bills and the Heat. Oh, oh it's yeah. unfair, the Heat, and they were cramping up and this and that. Well, hey, bro, that's that's football. That's the idea. When you go to the cold, that's your domain. You're supposed to dominate in the cold. They're supposed to dominate in the heat. Right. Right. The, the, the Saints used to dominate in the dome because it was so loud and it was creating a, a home field. That's kind of the idea, dude, that you're supposed to kind of create the elements and play in your elements, and you should be more comfortable, you know, in the elements. But apparently the Bills aren't comfortable in the snow or the heat. I think anyway. sometimes I think sometimes people, and, and a lot of times it's fans, and sometimes it's players and coaches. Like, and media. And the, media. Yeah, and media. And media. Like, the, everybody just looks for an excuse. It's like, look, man, I'm lost. Like, just, just own it. Like, just, it is what it is. Like, I don't want to hear from the Bills that you were cramping. Well, no kidding you were cramping. It's Miami. It's September. Like, there's a reason the Dolphins were all yours with Shula were white at home. Okay? Like. And they wanted one o'clock games. Right. All the time in, in September and October. Yeah, right. They want one o'clock games. Right. Of course. And, and you know what? And guess what? You know what the Bills always want with the schedule makers? Home games in December. Damn right. I mean, it, it, that's it. And, that, and that's, that. by the way, they should. Like, you should want that. 
You know, Miami should be Miami should be asking to play at the hottest point in the day, right? They should move the stadium a thousand feet upwards so it's and closer to the sun. Nobody wants to go to Green Bay in the frozen tundra. That's it. All that if you're going to Green Bay, you're like, hey, can we get a game in September, please? Because, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, nobody wants to go up there in December or January. That I always thought the biggest mistake the Vikings ever made as a franchise was putting the bro. It's Minnesota. Like, make teams go up there. It's, yeah. I know, like, here in Chicago, they're talking about, you know, they're going to build a new stadium for the Bears, and maybe it'll be in the suburbs. Like, well, we're going to slap a dome on them. Like, you're never going to win another game again. Like, it's Chicago. It should be outside. I mean, oh, yes. I, I never understand these teams that do this. And it's like, well, you, you know, it's because now we can hold the we can hold the, the Taekwondo Expo in, in April and make more money. It's like, I, I get it. But for the football team, it's a terrible idea. Yeah. And any fan who's like, well, I don't want to I would only use the dome. I would only use – you should build the dome, right? But you, you to have your yeah. events inside for other things and then your football games, like the Bills, yeah, yeah, you should build the dome. And then it's snowing and snowing and snowing. Okay, you have the roof on. Half an hour before kickoff, bam, open the damn thing and let the elements in. And that way, it, you know, your 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 entire stadium is not full of snow that you have to shovel it out. You know, you've saved that. And then the elements that come in, now that's part of it. Your team should have practiced all week in it. You should be ready. Miami will not be ready for it or Houston or whoever yep, the hell right. visits you and take advantage of them. That's how the roof should be used yeah. in Minnesota, too. Use it where you cover it for now so you don't get the damage of, all the snow, but then know, prior to the game, bro, let the elements Dude, in and, you know, there's a great live, live off those elements, bro. Build your team up defense, running game, yes. you know, physicality, like, like how they used to do it when we were young. By the way, if, if you have an opportunity, if you're the Vikings and you happen to play a team in a playoff game that like, you really think it would be behoove you depending on how you built your team to have the roof closed and close it. And if you think it'll, and if you think it'll really help you to open it, then open it. Like I, there's right. a great story from the 1950s in baseball. Bill Veck, who was a lunatic of an owner, but one of the more of eccentric guys ever, right? So Bill Veck owned the then Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians, and in Cleveland Municipal Stadium, depending upon who the pitcher was for the Indians, they would move the fences. Now they outlawed that after a year or two of Bill Veck moving the dimensions around because he was like, all right. We got a bad pitcher. We're going to move him back. And then if they had a good pitcher, they're like, we'll move him in because we'll, we'll be – I mean, now that's home field advantage, okay? Right. Now, you don't have that right. ability in football, but I'm with you 100%. These cold-weather teams that are like, let's slap a dome on it. Why? Why would you ever like, – it's crazy to me. It's you, you are helping the other team. It is insane, but here we are. No, I know. I mean, listen, if you're the Rams back in the day – you build the yeah. team for the dome, the speed, all that yeah. to your yeah. advantage. You know, I get that. You know what I'm saying? But if you're in Kansas City, brother, you don't want a dome. No. Are you out of your mind? They talk. <laughs> you want were, them to come into November and December and, and early January now that the games are early January. Nobody wants to go to freaking Kansas City. One, it's loud as a mother. But two, it's going to be cold. And you're yeah. going to have to deal with the elements. That's kind of part yeah. of the game, dude. 20, about Crazy. 20 years ago, when Jackson County in uh, Missouri was considering uh, renovating Arrowhead, because at that point it was like 35 years old, 
they talked about, well, could we get a Super Bowl there? Could we, if we put a rolling dome over the stadium and people just lost their minds? It was a conversation point for about eight minutes. And people were like, absolutely not. No way in hell. Like, we're not doing it. It doesn't matter. We don't want Super Bowl. There's no way. And I, I remember thinking, like, you know how weird it would be and sterile it would be if they put a dome on Arrowhead? And like, great. Right. Great. Who cares? Like, this sucks. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. nobody, nobody wants this. Nobody in the world is clamoring for dome. And I just, you go back and look at those old NFL films, man. You're like Detroit playing at Tiger Stadium and you had the Met in Minnesota. And now it's like, great. Everybody, hey, the Rams have to go to Minnesota. Good luck at the at the Met in, in January playing that game. Now it's like, cool, we're going to Minnesota. It's air conditioned. We, right. This is this is awesome. You know, the Packers, still home field advantage. That hasn't been the last couple of years because Rodgers hasn't been able to get done the playoffs. But it is still a great home field advantage. And by the way, they've done a magnificent job of building out that stadium no matter what. They've yeah. added more and more suites all over the place. They're doing fine. Yeah, they're yeah, doing fine. Well, it's okay. I, I actually, I think they they have some of the deepest reserves in like, the NFL. Yeah. Right? Have you if, been if to Green I, Bay? You ever been up there? No, I have not, man. It's still on my bucket list. I haven't been there for a game. It's one of the wildest things. So I, I went up there a couple of years ago. It was actually during the preseason. But I went up there and – it's so funny because, you know, every other city in the NFL is so much bigger. So you have you have a downtown, you have a metro area, and then, you know, wherever they put the stadium. Green Bay, you're driving around Green Bay, and there, there are these little, like, two- and three-bedroom houses and these little, little you know, driveways or anything else, just like any other little small town in America. And then just, like, rising out of the ground like a phoenix is Lambo. And people just put little signs in their yard, like, hey, you want to park in my driveway? It's 10 bucks. It's one of the wildest, like, it's so, it almost feels like a movie. It's so out of place. But you're just driving around all these little streets, you know, little downtown, I mean, nothing. And then all of a sudden, Lambo. It is, it is so unique. It's very cool. Yeah, I, I'm dying to go. I'm, I'm dying to go on one, one of those days that maybe the Dolphins uh, play there and, yeah. uh, and go experience it because I got to I got to experience it. But they've done a marvelous job of building out that stadium and everything around it. Sure. So they can continue to, you know, generate revenue. And and obviously they're one of the stronger teams when it comes to that. All right. Um, we uh, we talk a little bit about um, the Chiefs. Um, let's let's get into a little bit of some of the uh, quarterback talk. What do you think yeah. happens with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I think he's going to get traded. I think at this point, I, now I don't know what four days of darkness is going to do for him. Maybe he comes out and he decides to, uh, you know, run, run for Senate or something. I don't know. But he, assuming that doesn't happen, I think he's going to get moved. And I think the Jets and the Raiders are pretty clearly the two teams that are the front runners here. I mean, look, the, the, both teams have their picks. The, Devontae Adams is in Vegas. He's a West Coast guy, offensive head coach. Um you know, and we just talked about all these conditions in stadiums. It's a dome stadium, so that works out for him too, right? That makes it easier. Yeah. Um, the Jets, look, they've got Garrett Wilson, they've got Brees Hall, they've they've got a really good defense. Uh, he, you know, they have Nathaniel Hackett, who's Rogers' guy. Um, so I kind of feel like those two places, it's just gonna be who who outbids the other one, right? I mean, I think that that's kind of where you're going with this. The, I will say this. Rodgers is due almost $60 million this year. The Jets have deeper pockets than the Raiders. They just do. Yeah, like, they do. That no, matters. Do. That matters. Yes. And and the Jets have been waiting for a quarterback since Namath. 
like they are under immense pressure to get a quarterback. Whereas I think, I think by the way, whoever doesn't get him, I think it's, it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo going to the other place because he's got ties to both places, right? I right. mean, Salah knows him from New York, and of course McDaniel's knows him from New England. So I, I think, I think those two teams end up with with those two guys. It's just a matter of who outbids who. I, I think the Jets are the slight favorite for Rodgers, but I think it's slight. I, I think either place is certainly in play. Yeah, the only the only thing that I, I would you know. And and for entertainment purposes, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for it. But Rogers and that New York media. Oh, that's be unbelievable. Not gonna, yeah, that's <laughs> not going to jive. It'll be fun for us because oh, we'll yeah. have things to talk about. But that New York media and Rogers, that's not going to go well. No, it's not. Uh, anyone who's familiar with that area of the country, you know, in Green Bay, you're going to have maybe five, six people asking him questions after the game that he knows and that they need the access because Green right. Bay, is, the Packers are the only ticket in town. I can tell you right now, Newsday, the New York Daily News, they don't care. Like, no. they are just going to go full t- – like, if he has a bad game, they're going to they're gonna go after him. Like, the oh, back yeah. page is going to be about him. So, I agree with you. I agree with you. That I, I can't even imagine him in, in New York telling them to relax. <laughs> okay. Good luck, man. Have fun with that. Um, I, I'm all for it, though. Oh, the theater would be amazing. If your car, who are you picking, Saints or Carolina? You know, I thought about this for a while the other day because I think you're right. I think those are the two teams you'll look at and go, they're they're probably the, the favorites in the clubhouse. Um, I'd go with Carolina, man. I, yeah, I I, I, know, I I was picking him to go to the Saints, but if Carolina's in the mix, I'm with you, dude. I like Carolina because here's why: they've got an offensive coach in Reich, who's a former quarterback, right? Who I think I think even though it didn't work out in Indy, we all think it's a pretty good head coach. Yeah. They've got Evero going from Denver over there now as the D coordinator, who's an excellent coordinator. And they got a lot of young talent on that team. Like, that's a team that you look at, and they got a top 10 pick. The Saints don't have a pick. Like, the, the, the Panthers can go out and get him more help. So, if I'm him, the one thing I'll say, I would I would go to the NC South because that division is atrocious. Like, wherever he goes, they're the favorites. Um, I also think it's a better long-term situation. The Saints were brutal cap hell. Like, brutal cap hell. Panthers are good to go, man. Like I'd go there and be like, all right, I got DJ Moore. I got a, I got a young, improving offensive line. I got a coach who's an offensive guy, and I love the D coordinator. I feel pretty good about this. Like I feel if if I were Carr, all things even, I would go there. Yeah, me too. Uh, to me, Carolina would be the uh, the the selection to go to. Yep. All right, uh, tell them about stacking the box, my brother. What you got? I will. By the way, if uh, if Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, if that doesn't work out, watch for Atlanta. Um, Atlanta. Yeah, I would that just keep sense. that. I would keep that in mind. Um, I, although I think they're going to tag him. Oh, then, oh, they're definitely going to tag him. But if they and, if he, and if then they it'll get and then it'll get ugly whether he reports or not it. and, and oh, then that kind of stuff. They're going to tag him. But if it doesn't work, if they can't come to an agreement and things go sideways, don't forget how aggressive the Falcons were with Deshaun Watson. And right. he is, you know, he went to school in Louisville. It's right down the road. They got an offensive coach. They need a quarterback. They got cap space. They've got picks. Like Atlanta makes a lot of sense. But in any event, Sack in the Box, uh, Tuesday at noon Eastern, every single Tuesday. It's on YouTube as well. You can subscribe there. You can check it out. Please do. We've got over 6,000 accounting, which is fun. Uh, the column goes up every Monday morning, uh, covers the whole league. So uh, there's plenty to get to. And I'm going to be doing features throughout the, uh, throughout the offseason. So there's going to be a lot to hit uh, throughout the year, and I hope uh, hope everybody comes along for the ride. By the way, how big of a train wreck was it for you watching those Tua interviews on Radio Row? You know, I'll tell you, man, I was so busy. 
I, I never got to see him. I was oh, so okay. busy. I'll have to go back and watch him. But I, it was like a car wash for us. I mean, at one point, like a guy sat down. I was like, who, you know, whatever. I don't even know this. And then I looked at him and realized it was Justin Fields. And he's like, hey, I'm ready. To, and I honestly, man, I was, it was Friday morning. I was so tired. I looked at the guy sitting next to me. And I just thought we were partnering with Special Olympics there. We were doing some stuff with them. I just figured it was like somebody with them. And then I looked at, like, I was like, ah, oh, it's probably just like an exec or whatever. And then I looked over again. I'm like, oh, hey, man, how you doing? You ready to talk? Like, by Friday, you're just cooked. You're totally cooked. I know. I know. I know. Been there, done it. I know how it is. Yeah. It's, it, it drives your ass crazy when it's all said and done. But hey, New Orleans next year for you. Vegas, then New Orleans. Oh, Vegas, then New Orleans. But either right. way, I'm good. The next two years are going to be great. <laughs> I'm looking forward Vegas to it. Vegas and I'm New Orleans, I'm going to be the time dude. I leave Vegas. Although Phoenix is a cool town. I, Phoenix I, is I, great. Phoenix yeah. is great. I, I, I like I, Phoenix. All the Super Bowls I've covered, my two favorites to this point, and ironically, she's won them both, but Phoenix and Miami. I just thought those cities did the best jobs. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm biased, obviously, with Miami, but I that went to the, the, the last Phoenix one in 2015, and I had a really good time. And that the city did it right. It's a nice, yeah, it's a really, really cool city. It's clean. I like it. I like it. I, I like Phoenix. They they do a good job over there in Phoenix, man. Very good. Place. All right. Follow them on Twitter at Matt Verderam. And of course, you got to subscribe, read, download, stack in the box. Matt, we'll catch up next week, my friend. Appreciate you. Take it easy. You got it. There you go. Matt Verderam. Red Recover right now, 30% off. Take advantage. When it's gone, you're going to be pissed. And if you're dealing with pain right now and discomfort and maybe it's a shoulder injury, an old injury, old surgery, Red Recover can help you out. It can help you optimize your workouts. You can use them before and after when you're playing your, you know, pickleball or tennis or weights or whatever it is, running, jogging, whatever it is you do, man, these wraps can help your back, your neck, your shoulders, arms, you name it, knees, ankles. We've got a wrap for anything and everything. We've even got one for the ladies. We've got a pad that you put over your face for your crow's feet, for the wrinkles and all that stuff, man. It helps make the wrinkles disappear, which is a beautiful thing. You know, I mean, red, red light therapy, it, it can even help you. Let's say you're, you're about to have surgery or you just had surgery and you have a fresh scar. Not if the scar has been out for years and years. That's already done. You're, you're toast there. But if it's a fresh scar, Man, red light therapy can actually help you make that scar disappear. It's also great for dogs. We have wraps for small dogs and for bigger dogs because of their hips and they have hip issues. One of our listeners has a, a little uh, um, Yorkie and he had uh, broken legs where they put rods in there and he was having trouble moving around. He put the wraps on the dog and the dog now is having you know, it's it's a lot easier for him now moving around. He's he's happier now. He's feeling less discomfort because the wraps get the blood flow going. Even my man, Sean Stanley, who's got one knee that is bone on bone. That is really hard to fix. At least the wraps help alleviate that tension, that 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 uh, that itis that you get from bone on bone rubbing. Well, it gets the blood flow flow going. It alleviates the discomfort for him. So he's able to, you know, move around a little bit better with that knee. It can help you in so many different ways. Go to redrecover.com, check out the blogs, check out the video blogs, get 30% off redrecover.com.